Hey everybody, this is Alex. Hey, it's Natasha. And we are here to talk just for a second about Extra Crunch TechCrunch's subscription product. Extra Crunch is where a lot of our best analysis and follow-up stories lives. We focus a lot on startups, building, and even poke fun here and there. It's true. I also write a daily column called The Exchange that's over on Extra Crunch. And the good news is, if you don't have EC access yet, we have a deal for you. Yes, you can use, I think, the best code there is. So don't tell anyone who doesn't listen to Equity because they're not invited. The code is Equity, all caps, for 50% off your Extra Crunch subscription. So head over to techcrunch.com slash subscribe. Use that code. Make us look good internally. We say thanks across the internet. And now let's do a show. Hello, everyone, and a happy New Year's Eve from the Equity crew. We are coming to you from the past. It is December 11th, actually, and uh, we are here for our yearly predictions. And for the first time ever, our How Badly Did We Do Last Year at Predictions episode, I have my whole crew here. We have Chris Gates on a microphone. Hello, Chris. Once a year, I join the Equity crew on the mic to give really bad predictions is is my main goal. That's going to be a theme of the next 20 minutes or so. We also have Natasha Mascarenas here. How are you doing? I'm just now realizing that 2020's news cycle was so crazy that we might even be wrong before this goes live. Like we might just, there might be a full cycle and we'll have to re-record or something like that. Oh, we're not going to re-record this. The whole point of this episode of Equity is to not be serious, is to try to make good predictions and then to watch how wrong we are by the end of Q1. Uh, that's why we have Danny Crichton here. Danny's going to make some real whoppers when we get to his turn. Danny, how are you doing? I'm looking forward to the whopper, which hopefully is still a food at the end of 2020. Mm, that's a strange desire, but we'll let that ride. We're going to start by going over last year's predictions, but we have excised all of Kate Clark's because she has left us. So we're going to only talk about Chris and my predictions from last year. Then we're going to have a whole new crop of things that will not happen next year that we think will. And then we'll be able to disprove those in one year's time. But because this is the special episode, Chris Gates, you're up first. Uh, What did you get wrong in your predictions last year? All right. So I don't think I got everything wrong. I just want to put that out there. I think I did medium, medium poor, medium. Yeah. In that medium poor area. So my first prediction was the, well, before I jump into it, I would say that a lot of my predictions are informed by what the news was at the end of the year. So I was kind of pissed off at the away story. I don't know if you all remember that last year. The, oh, yeah. The like, away suitcase story. They were That like, was a long aways ago. Oof. <laughs> yeah, they were like treating their employees poorly. Anyway, so I was mad. I was like, basically, I was like, D to C is dead. Here, let me play a quick clip for you. Okay, so my first prediction for 2020, it's kind of connected to the Away story, is that I think that this tech-enabled business con is over. Like, if you are a suitcase company, you're a fucking suitcase hey, company. you're not supposed to swear. Like, it, like that, it, <laughs> like, you're not, like, Away is not a tech business. And there mm-hmm. are all these businesses out there that have, like, gotten these huge valuations because they, you know, WeWork is a good example, but, you know, that is the the outlier of every company. But there are yeah. all these DDC companies out there that, 
say that they are doing something innovative, that they are bringing something new to the market and have this world conquest kind of ethos that everyone buys into, but they are just a suitcase company or they are just a real estate company and do not Mm -hmm. deserve multiple that they are getting. So Chris, in response to that, that clip you just played for us, uh, one word, uh, Peloton. How how do you feel now? I I I I think I was pretty wrong. I yeah. I think that one was bad. I think that was a bad take. But I, I I don't think it's actually as bad as the next one. So let's let's move on to number two. Okay, so number two was we was basically uh, I predicted that Masayoshi son of SoftBank was going to get pushed out of SoftBank. WeWork was happening at the end of last year. It was kind of the downfall of WeWork, and it really looked bad for SoftBank. Here, I'll play you a quick clip of me being outrageous. All right, so SoftBank. I think that Masasan is going to get pushed out of SoftBank. So here are my reasons. One is uh, I think people are confusing lucky for talented. And I think that Masasan maybe was just really, really lucky with his bet on Alibaba and maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily the most talented investor. I mean, he lost there. all his money at the dot-com boom, didn't he? And then he remade it all. Yeah. Most of it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, lucky versus talent aside, well, actually, no. Can he get pushed out of SoftBank? That I don't that's, know. I don't know if he has like controlling I stake. Um, I don't know the corporate governance of SoftBank enough to say totally if, if that's an actual possibility. So maybe be- like my very bullish prediction is he's going to get pushed out. Maybe my uh, bearish one is that he will. There will be more oversight into his uh, decisions in 2020 with the new fund. Um, you know, like here's my second reason is the, the theory behind SoftBank was big money uh, equals big strategic advantage. And I'm not sure that proved true. I think really like, you know, you look at the example of WAG and they didn't build a moat around their company with cash. What they did is they dug a ditch, dumped the cash in and lit it on fire. And that's not a moat. That's just a bonfire in front of your company. You were so mad in this clip too. It was, it was really fun. <laughs> it was. All right. So I, I, I'm going to give myself a rating. I think it was medium. So la- so basically Elliott management came in and an activist investor came in and tried to take some control of SoftBank and reel Masa in. Am I wrong? I, I think he's been reined in. I, I, you know, his his slides remain as high quality and ridiculous as always. Um, but no, Elliot is in. I mean, SoftBank is not investing like it was in 2017, 2018. It sold off NVIDIA. It did make a lot of money on DoorDash uh, at the IPO earlier this month. But like net net, like uh, I I think you're pretty right. Like uh, I mean, he wasn't literally fired, but he's been chastened. Just to kind of uh, to prick a hole in this relatively inflating balloon of ego that I hear coming from the the other two men on the show, uh, Uber is at essentially all time highs, and that was an investment that was underwater essentially last year. So I feel like you are giving yourself too much credit because Uber has gone from under thirty dollars a share when you made that prediction to $53 a share today, a key investment in the Vision Fund portfolio. And I, I think the real thing that you were trying to say was, 
it was so bad. It was irredeemably bad. Ergo, he had to go. And then SoftBank just turned like $680 million into $11 billion with DoorDash. So in, in keeping with us being rude and mean to ourselves, I would say D minus. I think that's fair. Okay. Is it, is it my turn in the barrel? Yes. All right. Sadly, this is not going to be as, as rude to me because I got some things correct. So we're going to start off with <laughs> my take on direct listings not happening very much. Uh, on my list of, quote, ideas that might suck, uh, here's what we got. I think there'll be fewer direct listings than uh, the bulls currently think because I think people want to raise capital when they can. And that was right. <laughs> Great. Yeah. That also, was. okay, can I just, I'll chime in here and say that I'm impressed that Chris went out on a limb to make a spicier prediction than direct listing. So I, I, yes, Alex is correct technically, but I will knock you down a grade point because that wasn't the spiciest prediction. No, I think Natasha is totally right. I think this prediction was crap. So I'm going to give myself a D minus. Let's move on now. I had a, I had a take on China uh, and its startup market, which we'll now listen to from the grave. Uh, I think that China's startup venture cycle will stay depressed. Uh, As everyone recalls, 2019 was relatively modest in China's VC world compared to 2018, 2017. 2016 2015 this also didn't go well because it was true until like q3 and then china began to recover and more startups are being funded there the only thing i'll throw out is that i think in the wake of the ant financial ipo fiasco that is showing that the ccp is taking a more activist role in the economy and there's going to be an expansion of power at soes or state-owned enterprises i think that i'm going to be directionally correct on this one but i do think that the end of the year pickup in vc investment in china proves that i am a dum-dum I don't think it sounds very good. All right. Next up, I had a prediction that problems in SF will get worse. I think that the problems that um, San Francisco has will get uh, worse in 2020. I don't see any solutions to it. And I say that without any any glee in my heart because I just moved out of the SF. Um, but it's a city that I lived in for seven and a half, eight years and that I love. That is a full on correct. I would say yeah, that's that was 100%. Creepy. That was weird to listen to a year later. Now, one that I got entirely wrong. This is This is the face plan. This is the cracked egg of my predictions list. Uh, here was my take on on crypto going into 2020. Uh, I think crypto goes kind of nowhere this year. I think, you know, aside from like maybe plus 100%, minus 50% the price of Bitcoin, I don't think we're going to see anything dramatic um, unless there's an innovation change coming that I don't see. I don't think the happening that's going to happen in a couple months will do much. Wrong. Just flat wrong. Bitcoin's at all-time highs. DeFi is cool. Ethereum's back up. Tether is still around. Turns out it wasn't a big fraud, I guess. Filecoin launched. I mean, all the stuff that I would have bet you money wasn't going to happen has. So uh, apparently never listen to me on the state of crypto. That's my take. (laughs) Danny, do you own Bitcoin? I forget. I I technically have Bitcoin. How do you technically have Bitcoin? He lost Um, it. <laughs> it's on it's on a thumb drive somewhere. No, 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 it, I, no it, it, not lost, and it's it's like a hundred dollars. Uh, uh, someone actually sent over like Bitcoin to me, and I never bothered to sell it, and the market crashed, and I was like, well, now it's worth nothing. Now it actually, as of like I think two or three weeks ago, crossed the threshold where I actually have made pennies. Of course, now I have to declare any sales on my taxes on line seven of the ten forty. So it's just like. The 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 ten dollars I'm going to make on my Bitcoin will be eaten up by the thousand dollars my accountant will take to process my Bitcoin transaction. <laughs> to understand Danny's personality, all you need to know is two things: one, he knew that it was line seven on the ten forty, and two, he has an accountant. So there you go. And three, a friend thought it would be a great gift to give him Bitcoin <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Okay, listen, I want to I want to shake up our script a little bit and have Chris and I talk a little bit less for a couple minutes. We're going to flip the order here. We're going to start with Natasha's predictions. She gets first bite at the apple. 
because she was the last to join the show. Therefore, she gets to go first. So Natasha, please, with relative vigor, walk us through all the things that will happen in 2021. Okay, no pressure. I'm not good at predictions. I'll give a huge disclaimer there that like do not take anything with what I say as me favoriting companies or thinking that it's useful advice. That said, I think YC batches will continue to grow bigger. I don't think YC will get any smaller and I will win on that prediction. The second is I think that companies will not be sharing diversity data publicly, but I'm going to predict the opposite for manifestation purposes. We're going to see a huge effort by the entire VC and startup community to publicly tell TechCrunch exclusively their diversity data, in fact. So I'm really excited about that happening. And then on a more serious note, I think some of my IPO predictions, two obvious ones are Stripe and Robinhood, but I really think everyone should start paying attention to Quizlet and Duolingo as two ed tech companies that have had breakout growth during the pandemic. Very much see them going public in the next year. Adding on to my ed tech focus is I think a lot of people right now are predicting that EdTech is going to have a lot of consolidation in Q2 and Q3. I think that's kind of optimistic. I see being much more likely that we're going to see a lot more shutdowns and failures. I don't think we're going to see as many buys as we are going to see closures. I mean, that's not rocket science, but I do think there's going to be this huge moment in EdTech where like a lot of the D2C consumer businesses that easily found product market surge during the pandemic will no longer have that, especially in like the K through 12 space like all the TikTok for kids apps, I think they're, they're all going to, you know, be in a really hard spot going forward. Finally, SF comeback will happen, but I do think we're going to still have to pay attention to places like Austin, Ann Arbor and Salt Lake City. Maybe before it was like just San Francisco and everything else kind of got like a little bit of like a pity mention in stories, but I think it's going to actually be useful for journalists to be sourcing in Austin and in these emerging startup hubs in a way that like we could, we could have avoided before. And that's my spiel, I think. I, I agree with some of those. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to look back on in 12 months. Uh, I'm always amazed at how fast the world changes in a direction we didn't expect. Like by, by March, I bet our answers for predictions would be entirely different. That's going to be fun to kind of poke around and, and see what changes. In that vein, Danny, welcome to your first ever predictions episode. We are very excited to nail you down to the wall. So walk us through what's going to happen. I, I had a couple of here. So the first is I, I think LSD is going to make a huge comeback. It's already making a huge comeback. Microdosing, a bunch of LSD startups have been funded. A bunch of drug companies have gotten funded. I think drugs is exactly what 2021 is all about. We're going to get through this vaccine and health, and then it's all going to be about drugs, 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 drugs. So I expect LSD to be making huge strides. I think there's going to be huge competition between different countries to be the first to kind of legalize and move a lot of this forward. I think you're just going to see a gargantuan shift, mostly because a lot of governments are going to need tax revenue next year. And I think that the the argument of like creating tax benefits from all these legalizations, plus some new medical data that shows some of the therapeutic benefits of certain drugs over others, is really going to cause the bit to flip. So I expect a massive, chaotic run and, and, you know, almost a stampede of startups over in the LSD space, if you will, which is kind of ironic to call it that. I think the Substack hype cycle is going to, it'll be interesting when we redo this next year, if, if Substack even like maintains its momentum in 2021, it'll be hilarious if by next year where you're like, what's Substack? I think that the overwhelming hype that we've seen around Substack is going to come back down to earth in 2021. And then I think there are sort of three other patterns. One is I expect the SPAC crisis to reach uh, a, a kind of a, a denouement somewhere, I would call it August or September next year. A bunch of SPACs are going to come up due. 
that have been raised over the last year. Most SPACs are for 24 months. So some of the ones that just raised have more time, but a lot of the ones that raised a year ago are going to come up on their expiration dates. They're going to increasingly SPAC worst companies. When we were recording the show on December 11th, one company that just went on the SPAC path you know, lost 25% of its value day one of trading. I, I expect to see more of that pattern in 2021. And then two more, I think we're going to see a bunch of SaaS consolidation. Um, the overwhelming number of SaaS apps we all have to use. I use about 200, according to stupid little Okta thing I use. <laughs> There's no way that this is sustainable long-term for most people. So I expect to see a bunch of SaaS consolidation kick through, maybe from Vista Equity, maybe from some other people cobbling these together into bigger packages. And then finally, I think we're going to go absolutely ape nuts on privacy and data. You know, there's a bunch of new legislation in California, Europe. I think folks are going to go completely aggressive on how to control and fix the big data problem. All these leaks, all these breaches that our, our colleague Zach Whitaker talks about, that's yeah. going to be solved. And I think we're going to see literally billions of dollars of venture capital go in to try to solve these problems. We're going to see architectures completely change in the IT stack. It's going to happen quick, much faster than most IT changes because these regulations are kicking in. So those are the five. LSD and a bunch of IT stuff. Uh, Danny, the uh, the company that went public via SPAC was Desktop Metal, right? That's correct. It's off another 9% today. So there's a little Ooh. more fire for your SPAC point. Oh, that's like 33% in 24 hours. Alex, why don't you talk about your goddamn predictions? <laughs> no, I'm going... I'm I'm going last. Chris is up next. Oh, okay. I'm God. Okay. I'm going next. Okay. My, mine are half-baked. I'm going to side with, with Natasha on the SF comeback. I, re- I don't know if it's going to be a year. I, I just see, you know, Alex, and you've, you've said this a couple of times in your columns, is that, you know, SF is a boom and bust town. Right now we're in a bust. SF will be back. Uh, I'm going to guess it's going to be tech because the roots are so deep in this area. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm bullish on San Francisco. I, I just, I, I, I want to like, I, it's not on my list, but I, I just agree. I agree yeah. with both of you guys. I, I think SF is an incredibly unique, lovely place. The people are amazing. I, I, I miss it every day. And so I really hope that as Natasha moves back uh, eventually and Chris, you stay put. I'm really excited about coming out as often as I can, as soon as I can, because I miss, I miss my city. Danny. Danny's like, I hate it. Danny, <laughs> how do you, you know, feel? I, I made it I made a decision two years ago not to actively complain about San Francisco every week, either on the program with people who live in SF, because people can live where they want. If you want to live in a trash heap, that is totally up to you. Uh, that is a decision that every person is allowed to make. Uh, and so I won't attack it. That said, I absolutely do not see a future for SF. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. I mean, speaking about living in a trash heap, you literally live in New York City where they pile the trash on the streets. So, like, I don't know what the f*** you're talking about. It's a very, very functional city. That's true. I like New York you, City, you, too. Is I that like subway? To uh, is that Muni uh, system working in SF oh, at this God. point? Oh, oh, no. how's, the, how's the subway doing, Brooklyn boy? How's uh, the subway? It's hey, on fire, isn't As it? of it's a couple of weeks ago, cell reception in the tunnel. Look at that. <laughs> Actual cell reception. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy. Danny, you're That's run bar. by... You're run by Andrew Cuomo and the tall jerk-off. I mean, it's not an impressive leadership structure. Hey, Andrew Yang. Hey, we by, by the time the show comes out in two weeks, we're talking news today uh, on December 11th is that Andrew Yang is going to run for mayor of New York in 2021. And lose. Uh, on the ballot in, in November. Uh, who knows? We might have UBI by next year. I mean, that's a bullish prediction. Imagine right. a full UBI. You guys don't have any money. You can't even fix the subway. I mean... Giving free money out is a lot easier than fixing the New York City subway. To be re- I, writing checks That's to everyone real. is actually really simple. Yeah. Let's not get into that because I will get mad. 
Chris, you have one more prediction that's also definitely coming true, and this one I don't agree with, so I'm really excited to hear you defend it. I, I'm bullish on the self-driving. I think self-driving, look, there's been tons of news of like all these self-driving companies giving up, right? LiDAR is not what we wanted it to be. We don't have the computing power to actually process all the information in real time. But I think that the few players that have stuck in the game are going to make big strides towards self-driving in this next year and that we may start to see some winners. So that's not a prediction. Making big strides is too too. <sighs> too relaxed I, I want i want to nail you to this so tell me what these big strides are otherwise you're going to claim victory and i have to buy you a coke or something we are going to see approval for uh no safety driver behind the wheel next year cars that are in like taxi service or cars that i can go to like the toyota dealership and buy uh cars that uh are in a taxi service okay that's a prediction we can actually we can stick you yeah. to yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Uh, my predictions are bad because it turns out, as Natasha pointed out with my non-spicy direct listing take, I don't have any good takes. So I frantically wrote some hopefully better takes while we were recording this episode. I don't I don't know. Guys, I, I'm not good at this. Um, but on the drug theme, I've never done LSD. I'm not allowed to. I do think that weed startups are going to crush it next year. So I think the legalization ball is going to keep rolling. I think all the static we've seen from the Canadian like IPO fiascos is going to kind of go into the past. I think banking is going to open up. I think states like Rhode Island, which is helmed by a VC, a former VC, should get their act together and, and legalize. And I think it's going to be everywhere but, but Texas pretty quick. So I think startups that work in that space are going to crush. And then I don't know if you guys saw this, but in kind of mid-ish December, I noticed that Axios had announced Axios HQ, which is like the Axios newsletter software, but for inside your company. Uh, and this is kind of another theme of the the media world generating software revenues. Uh, I think Vox sells out Chorus, its backend for money and a lot of other publications are, you know, selling off bits of software they've made for themselves to other people. I think that trend's going to continue. I don't know how this fits into the Substack denouement. I thought it was denouement, actually. Whoops. But I think the media world's going to continue to try to figure out how to make money long term. This is part of that. Those are my only medium good ones. Everything else kind of sucks. I, I think that the economy is going to still suck for people that aren't rich, but I think for everyone else, it's going to be amazing. So I think we're going to have a lot of H1 IPOs. I think we're going to see the venture capital market stay relatively heated, given the fact that interest rates won't change. So I think we're going to look to be really, really busy, even as food lines stretch and people die. But I, I do I do want to hear about the IPO pops. Like what? Like, do you think that they are going to go down? I mean, like this week was insane. Uh, that was me just riffing. I, I don't think IPO pops are actually going to change. You know, Robinhood stays active as long as that's the the case and floats are low we'll still see imbalanced supply and demand on day one trading and we're still going to see crazy things i mean what's really weird is going into this year i feel like we're in a state we're holding pattern we're waiting for widespread vaccines but it's already priced in so i, I it's hard to predict what's going to change you know talking about ipos i mean a bullish prediction is i actually think the banker led ipo is going to disappear within the next 24 months yes i i, I wouldn't do it for 2021 i i think these numbers are getting crazy i i think direct listings have been proven out I think if Airbnb was not in such a vulnerable state because of the pandemic, they absolutely would have done the direct listing. And that is one of the largest IPOs of this batch. I, I just do not see a future for investment banking led IPOs, except for bad companies, except for complicated stories, bad companies that have to sell and actually do like a true roadshow up and down every hedge fund and asset manager around the world. I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's a 2022 prediction, but we're going to make progress towards that next right. year. And there's going to be a hierarchy of debuts. It's going to be direct listings up top. There's going to be some sort of hybrid direct listing 
right below that. Traditional IPOs will be the kind of C tier. And then blank check companies, aka SPACs, will be still the detritus launching mechanism that they've always have been. Um, so that's going to be the world in 2021. This is our best shot at what's going to happen next year. I think Taylor Swift will make two more albums, five more albums as Chris. Hold him to that. Listen, it's been a long, long year. So much has happened. It has been a real pleasure to sit with my friends every week and chat about it and chat about it with you guys all. We appreciate all the emails and tweets and notes. It's been a blast. We are back soon for 2021 with much the same. No one's quitting on this year's predictions episode, which is fantastic. And we care about you. Thank you for tuning in and sticking with us. Uh, we're going to keep improving the show and doing our best. So let us know what we can do better and we'll see you soon. Bye.